eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, of course, behind-the-scenes producer Lance Glenn. Already got himself around a golf here on a Thursday morning. Good for Lance, living the good life as a newly married man. We packed a lot into episode number one on the podcast this week. Our interview with tight end commit Andrew Andrew Rappelier was about 20 minutes long, covered a lot in his commitment flip for Michigan, uh, the tight end legacy at Penn State that he plans to be a part of. Talked about the commitment of top 24-7 prospect Marcus Stokes at quarterback for the 2023 class. And, of course, we dove into that breaking news uh, as we sat down to record episode one this week of Damian Robinson uh, committing to transfer to Penn State and what that meant. Sean, we're back with another episode, this time out of practice again. It was practice number 11 of 15 on the spring practice schedule on Wednesday evening. A little bit of conversation afterward. Uh, got to, to survey some things we haven't necessarily seen yet, though, to this point, which was nice. Week four of spring ball and the blue-white game now, just nine days away. So pretty much every week it's been going to Haluba Hall because of the weather and then watch them kick the ball around a little bit, do some special teams things. We finally got some offense. We finally got some personnel. We got two plays of goal line offense, and that's pretty much it. Uh, ones v. Ones, two v's, two. Um, but that, it's still good to see football. I mean, we, we we don't know what we're going to see next weekend because things are obviously impacted by Penn State's status up front. We'll get to that in a second. But we did get to see – Two whole plays, uh, no touchdowns, unfortunately, but two whole plays from the offense and then a little bit of special teams work. But it was outside. It was beautiful. Uh, allergy season's kicking up, and I, <laughs> I it hit me hard yesterday and got me this morning as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, spring football's here, and 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 the blue-white game is just over a week away. Yeah, that we have observations, photos, notes, quotes, uh, more at Lions 24-7, some video for, from some of the post-practice conversations, Sean Clifford, uh, James Franklin, at Lions247.com. I think where I wanted to start here after seeing some 11-on-11 11 11 action, but really after what we continue to hear about Adiza Isaac and coming off of the, of the Damian Robinson uh, commitment news, Sean, is I think just in the last four weeks, though it is still – Far more thin than you'd like it to be. The margin for error at defensive end, at the edge rusher role, it feels like it has evolved in, in quite some way in a month. With with the Isaac return, I know he's on that pitch count. We've talked about that, but he looked like he was full go yesterday. It sounds like he'll be completely full go in August. And right now, flashing. Uh, you know, Nick, uh, I think it was uh, Tyler Elsden, linebacker this week, said it was as though he never 
stepped away with an injury the way he is performing right now. And you get the sense that maybe just maybe this may not be fair to say to Adiza coming off of the injury, but that breakout season may have just been delayed by a year and it's coming this fall. Now you factor in Damian Robinson. We know the pedigree that he went to Maryland with. We talked a lot about in episode number one, how he addresses a vital need for Penn State. I come away off the practice field yesterday, kind of envisioning a defense that has a lot of moving pieces, thinking about that really important edge rush role and I think it's in a better place than I thought it might be here in mid-April. Well, you throw another body in there, and that's that's one thing that you throw Damian Robinson, a former five-star, in there, then you've got something to work with. Uh, you know, just di- di- diversity in terms of body types, in terms of the type of players that they are. To me, I think you nailed it on the head. Seeing Adisa Isaac out there in eleven on eleven when they're going seemingly full speed is a great sign for me. Um, just because we we had a, a high expectations for him. Um, but didn't think we'd see him that much this spring. I still think, you know, you hold him back and does he play in the blue white game? I mean, it doesn't matter to be honest with you, number one. And, and, and hopefully they would, they would hold him back there as well. But just to see him out there going through uh, the regular motions uh, to be mixing it up with guys playing essentially full speed off the edge. That's a big step uh, towards where he needs to be in August. And that's obviously when it matters. Um, but getting Damian Robinson out there, Smith, Filbert, Nick Tarbert, and um, you know, just mixing and matching, you're starting to feel a little bit better um, with with Robinson's uh, just just num- I mean let's just, let's just talk flat out numbers here. I mean you you are looking at a, a giant hole there. You're looking at a giant hole at linebacker, obviously as well. Um, but just adding anything is great. But adding a guy like Robinson, I think, can go a, a long way. And I'm excited to see if if, he, if he's a compliment to Adisa Isaac or if he's a guy you put on the other side that uh, you know kind of does the, the same sort of thing. I don't know. We haven't seen Damian Robinson in a Penn State uniform. But I'm, I'm right there with you, starting to feel a little bit better about this defensive end position. Talking about fortifications on the defensive line, uh, you also factor in P.J. Mustafer will be on his way back, and, and what a presence he will be back as the anchor of that defensive front. But then Robinson arriving on campus, putting on the pads, joining this program on the practice field in the summer. Of course, Adiza Isaac, a few more months along in his recovery. And then the other name we got to mention here, because it was 11-on-11 11 11 football, it was first and second team whatever that means right now for the Penn State defense, and it involved the Keem Beeman, and that was not the case all last season. We were always quick to note while he was practicing, it was with the scout team last year. He was out there in the thick of it yesterday, and consider me intrigued. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a very talented individual. We go back to what James Franklin said a couple of weeks ago, which is you have to take it a little bit at a time and sort of take baby steps with, with getting him to where he can get. Um, and I think he can get there. I think he's a tr- tremendously talented player, but a guy that you can move around up front. Uh, they have a couple of those guys. They've got uh, Beeman. They've got Zane Durant, who was in there with the second team, which is very interesting um, considering he's a true freshman that just enrolled in January. You think he's he's probably going to get some run in the fall. You've got Amin Vanover, who's playing in right now, essentially out of necessity that's eventually going to grow into a defensive tackle. But you've got a little bit of uh, flexibility there. It gives yourself uh, something to play with, especially with what we saw yesterday on a goal line. I mean, you bring in an extra defensive tackle or an extra defensive lineman to make things work. But those those guys certainly help. But yeah, seeing Hakeem Beeman out there, seeing him, I think, besides Zane Durant in the, in the lineups that we saw, um, it, it's certainly intriguing. It's undersized, but it's certainly intriguing. One other name that I failed to mention in the reinforcement department, denied Dennis Sutton. Uh, showing up to campus oh, yeah. as well, okay. and there's high hopes. Yeah, the, the five-star signee uh, due to arrive this summer as well. 
one name that I wanted to mention, we don't have to spend much time here, but um, I'll kind of bunch him and Keaton Ellis together here because they came on as as true freshman cornerbacks, burned redshirt. By the time they got to the, uh, the, the Cotton Bowl in 2019, Marquise Wilson was coming up with big splash plays. Uh, Keaton Ellis was too. Now you've got Keaton Ellis. We talked to him this week in the safety room. He's competing over there. Certainly feels a lot more comfortable, game ready than when he was in year one at safety last year. But he's got the new kid on the block, uh, Zaki Wheatley pushing him. He's got Jalen Reed involved there. Um, but Marquise Wilson resurfaced in the defensive structure yesterday, playing some cornerback. We've also seen him involved out in special teams. Maybe as a punt returner option. Uh, but to me, this was a guy who showed so much playmaking potential earlier. Everyone was raving about the confidence he showed at cornerback. And there have been other names that have kind of passed him up on the depth chart of late. There's been transfer additions, you know, freshmen who have shown up and, and balled out. But Marquise Wilson, uh, keep him on the radar, even though he was not reflected on some of the spring rosters because of that athlete status. Yeah, I go back to that Big Ten title team, and they played five corners. And you know, I think Jordan Smith was a guy that really didn't play much at all, but he was out there in key situations at times, made made a couple of plays. Marquise Wilson is not on that same career trajectory, given the way he started his Penn State career, but he's a guy that you can get out there and, and be active. And they think, you know, they they think they have five corners. And when you add Daquan Hardy as a nickel guy into the mix, um, you know, we saw a lot of Johnny Dick Dixon yesterday. Have heard great things about Kalen King this spring. Once again, stop me if you've heard that one before, but we know Joey Porter's there. Um, but if Marquise Wilson can be that fourth outside guy, I think that can go a long way. They had also had him back returning punts. Maybe, hopefully, for Marquise's sake, dis discover some of that magic that he had in that 2019 season when he was just just a ball magnet. And, and having those guys back there, and you, you hear the same things about Zaki Wheatley, but having those guys back there, um, you know, I think can go a long way in ensuring that thing up. And back to what you said a, a minute ago about Keaton Ellis, we kind of forget about Keaton Ellis at times, um, but he's a guy that certainly can factor in. And if they have four safeties that can go, and they believe they do. Um, you know, you're feeling pretty decent about that unit, even though you lost an, an All-American, Jaquan Brisker. Some shuffling in the defensive secondary. A lot of retooling going on right now at the offensive skill positions. You've got the same unit in place at tight end. Um, you've got some familiar guys at running back, but there's been an injection of talent in, in the receiver room, in the running back room. We asked Sean Clifford about that a bit coming out of practice um, on Wednesday evening, it was our first chance to, to chat with Sean since spring practice got underway. Um, he talked about the extreme value, is the way he phrased it, they have received right off the bat from Nick Singleton and Katron Allen at running back. He says they're pushing the veterans. Uh, he also mentioned uh, that they are approaching the day-to-day -day like veterans, and that's basically on par with what we've heard about those two freshman running backs. I don't think you can discount them from any kind of conversation about what this backfield may look like come September 1st at Purdue. Um, and, and then the other name that really stood out more so than in, in previous talks with his name popping up is Mitchell Tinsley, uh, the Western Kentucky transfer. Uh, Clifford referred to him as explosive. I think we were kind of waiting for one of those adjectives. Uh, there was a lot of steady Eddie talk from James Franklin. That was actually a phrase that he used. And that's kind of what we've heard a guy that's, you know, consistent professional, a little bit more about the playmaking ability from Sean Clifford and what you like about here, something I didn't realize they've been able to build some instant rapport Two guys on their last year of eligibility at the college level. They're actually roommates right now. So uh, you'd like to hear that for a guy who's coming to campus and trying to play catch up that with the projected fourth year starting quarterback right down the hall.
That's got to be the oldest room in uh, in Penn State's uh, <laughs> okay. family right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, going back to, I guess, piece by piece what you're saying here, sure. uh, Nick Singleton, I think, is going to usurp carry. I, I mean, we, we, we've we seen what Kevon Lee can do. I, th- I think we've kind of seen what Nick, Single can, Nick Singleton can do. But just from talking to the people in the program, there's, there's just something different about him. And, and I think we knew that, but we wanted to see sort of how he fit under the field. How did how did that high school physical style that he played and the athleticism and all the, the 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 garage strength and everything like that? How that transferred over to the college level? So far, I think it it has. Now you you know you don't want to throw a, a, a freshman running back out there game one to get the first carries and things like that. I mean, easing him in is something that even Saquon Barkley had to go through. Um, but I think Singleton's going to end up you know, getting a decent amount of carries this year and, and kind of, I, I don't want to say, I don't put too much, too much expectations on the, on that guy, but being the guy that, that, that uh, recruiting ranking could sort of build him to be so excited about that. Mitchell Tinsley. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. We haven't heard a ton of football stuff from Mitchell Tinsley. Um, you know, when, when we, when he enrolled in January, excuse me, when he enrolled in January, we did have a report. He ran a four five, three. He's not slow. I mean, it's not, it's not like he's, a guy that's in over his head taking that leap up from Western Kentucky to Penn State athletically, but you're just trying to see what type of receiver he is. How does he fit into the mix? It was funny yesterday. I was watching uh, them run through ball security drills in the little gauntlet, and Jaywan Sider was like, you were, you were a Pop Warner uh, running back star, weren't you? I heard that, yeah. Uh, it, it was pretty <laughs> funny. Um, and then I think he called Caden Saunders a TikTok star. So, um, you know, varying uh, ways of motivation there for the, for the uh, receivers. But uh, – uh, getting back to my point, I think Tinsley brings you something. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what Tinsley brings you. Does he bring you a, a possession guy? Does he bring you a guy that can break that long play? I mean, that's the lasting image that we have from him for Western Kentucky is taking that slant and going, uh, what was it, 80 yards for the uh, the score in the bowl game there in that shootout that they had in, the, in their bowl game. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. It's been a really, really light spring for Parker Washington every time he's out there. He's doing slightly more than we are, but still, you know, it doesn't look like it's injury related or anything like that. So you're building up Tinsley. You're getting Keandre Lambert Smith into the mix, which is a guy that they seem to focus on, um, you know, the last couple of practices, getting the ball to and 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 I guess, uh, you know, kicking to him, things like that, getting his confidence going. So I'm interested to see where these receivers stand and how much those other guys, Malik Megas, uh, Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace and, and those guys can benefit while Parker Washington's kind of taking a veteran's uh, look from the sideline. Yeah, Clifford says definitely expecting that that uptick in production for Keandre Lambert-Smith. You'd expect that. You got 91 receptions, I think it was, to, to replace in, in the form of John Dotson. Uh, it's not going to be any – I don't think we're expecting um, – you know, a guy Keandre to jump up to a 90 reception player, but we talked about it. You take that next step. Uh, and I, you know, I think that he's a guy who's had the, the talent. We talked about the mental strides he made that surfaced a bit this week. Um, but I think right now you look at Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith, there's, there's, those guys that you have proven something and you, you hope that in year three, they're both ready to prove a little bit more. Then there's a little pause in the conversation. You get to Mitchell Tinsley, who's done a lot at a different level of football. Malik Mega, who hasn't done much at any level of American football, but every time he comes up in conversation, like he did this week with Keandre Lambert-Smith, you're hearing about how he's taking these deep shots in practice and how he's uh, racing past defenders at six foot four. And you remember what he did against Rutgers in that big moment for him to this point. And then 
it's kind of again a little oh, bit of a pause in the conversation. You're, you're going to forget about that Rutgers touchdown for a second there. Uh, uh, you, I, I remember uh, <laughs> that Canadian connection. How could I forget Christian Veyu to, to Malik Mega? But then, then there's again that pause, and you start to get into the, the conversation of okay, well, you've got these freshmen, you've got these second year players, uh, who's ready to show up and ball out? Uh, but I think right now you feel pretty good uh, about four of those guys. I just think right now there's so much unknown about Mega, and we've seen guys at this position at receiver, whether it's at Penn State or other college campuses, who just flash in the practice field and you fall in love with their physicality, and you just don't ever see it show up on the box score on a consistent basis. But we, we've talked about it. He's just oozing with potential, and it's hard to ignore him when you watch these receivers go through their drill work. And with Mega, there was the, the one play we did see from Sean Clifford, uh, he overthrew Mega in the back corner of the end zone. Given the very polite words from Mike Yurcich, it, it seemed to be an issue with uh, Mega's depth in his route. So um, I'm thinking he's got some things to work on there. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun to, fun to see him grow. And like I said, uh, Trey Wallace is a guy that we've we've heard a bunch about in terms of uh, you know the all the tools and things like that. But you just want to see these guys live before you start setting them up. And then the two freshmen uh, that are on campus, Amari Evans and Caden Saunders, as we mentioned earlier. Um, they're, they're throwing these guys out there in different roles during practice. Saunders is a punt returner. Amari Evans has been a returner, is also a gunner. I'm curious if, you know, we've seen in situations where you've got legitimate speed that comes in as a freshman, you think back to Brandon Polk. Does that mean that Omari Evans is a guy that you throw out there just to get some speed onto the field and, and see what can happen and see what he can manage to do uh, from that aspect? I think uh, I saw a quote yesterday. Somebody said that that speed is legit. I mean, we, we heard when he tested that it, it, it went right in line with that four, three that he popped last summer during his, uh, during his original uh, workout in which he earned his offer from Penn state. So, uh, there aren't too many four threes floating around. There's not not as many four four threes floating around as they say they are. Um, but I think Omari Evans is, can can just give you a, that pop of speed. And I'm I'm interested to see the way things go right now in terms of the transfer portal and all this stuff. How much red shirting sort of goes by the wayside here, and can you throw those guys in right away, and can they have an impact? And and by the way, we we heard that uh, that legitimate speed confer confirmation from Keandre Lambert Smith this week. He did mention Caden Saunders a little more polished as receiver. You'd expect that Amari Evans didn't play receiver in high school. Uh, but the the one guy we didn't mention, Keandre Lambert Smith did, and he was the fourth member of that 2020 recruiting class. And I think the fact that we're not mentioning him, we're talking about the younger players, kind of proves the pivotal nature of this spring practice for him. Jaden Dotton, uh, you know, he was one of those guys who came on board with the 2020 class. And really, since then, it's kind of been tucked away from a lot of the conversations we've had here on the show. Um, it brought up yesterday. Uh, we'll see how he comes out of this. But sometimes you see veterans get squeezed out a little bit. And, and, and you know, that's just kind of one of those situations that, that we'll keep tabs on as the depth chart comes to comes to uh, to fruition here in the next several months. But by the way, you got to feed that tight end room before we start going down the list too far at wide receiver. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, by the way, have we mentioned the offensive line yet? No, I, I was hoping we could delay a little bit more, but I suppose we are. Oh, wait, we can. Special teams, Sean. Let's get the special teams first uh, because we did get a little bit of a look at these place kickers um, who are underway with competition. Sanders, Sahadak, Jake Pinnegar. Uh, we talked about seeing them last week. Wasn't the best showing for Jake Pinnegar. 
both uh, were on point when we saw them on the practice field outside. Uh, I believe they were out into the 45-yardish range and, and all the way inside the 20. The only miss we saw uh, was was off the left foot of Sahadak, but that was by virtue of a, of a, a bad snap. And, and Sean will be quick to note it was not the starting center, uh, starting long snapper, Chris Stoll, who served that one up. <laughs> so I think that was good because there was a lot of people on the sidelines watching this who weren't necessarily part of the program. There was media. There were some visitors. So there were a lot of eyeballs. You want some kind of pressure on these guys as much as you can. Uh, it was good to see them come through there. Uh, Barney and Moore handling the punting duties for the most part, the, the holding duties as well as we've seen. Uh, and just noting here, Alex Pachetta, who we have had here on the show, uh, viewed as a combo specialist by special teams coordinator Stacy Collins, he told us uh, on Wednesday night, uh, meaning although he's coming in as, as a highly rated punter prospect, maybe he can contribute in some other ways. They obviously have roles to replace with Jordan Stout, who did so much more. Uh, yeah, there's year. a lot to work with there, and and I would not be shocked to see Baquetta come in and just you know take over right away. Um, just d- judging from things that have been said, uh, Blake Gilligan really high on the kid, and you take you know basically Blake uh, is a, is an NFL guy now, or he not basically he is an NFL guy now, so you kind of take his word over over ours when you talk about specialists. But uh, g- getting back to us uh, to what you said about the kickers. Yeah, Jake Pinnegar was not good last week. He was he was good this week, like impressive. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, you you got a little bit more um, eyes on him this week. They're outside, of course, that helps. Um, but hitting the ball smooth, putting it right through, and and not missing. I mean, I for you know when we talk about uh, last week and we talk about the struggles that he had, it's it's equally as important to turn around and say, hey, give him his kudos. He he looked really good on Wednesday. Um, I will say the ball just looks different coming off of Sahadak. There's a couple balls on that roof there that uh, probably have his name yeah. on it. Um, but uh, yeah, if you you got to be the guy that's making them, especially 40 in. Um, I I would hate to see the split again this year, but given the disparity in leg strength there, it wouldn't surprise me to see bringing out uh, Sahadak for a bomber or something like that um, at the end of a half or, or whatever. But the, I think this competition is still going on. Both those guys, um, you know, looked really good outside of that one miss, which was a little snap, uh, not from Chris Stoll. Um, it was a, it was a good day for those kickers. I don't know how many balls Jordan Stout put on, on that roof the last few years, but Sahadak's playing catch up and, and he may end up with even more up there. Like I, I, I feel bad because that's like our only analysis of the kickers and sorry to the kickers. But like when you go out <laughs> next week and watch him at the blue white game, just watch the ball or listen for the ball coming off of Sahadak's foot. It's just different. I, there's not really a, a great way to ex- explain it other than it's just different than, than Pinnegar. And that's not, that's not a, a slight on Pinnegar at all. I mean, Pinnegar was making, I think his last one was a 47-yarder, straight down the middle, halfway up the net. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's uh, it's just different. That's all I got to say is when you when you go out and you ex- observe these guys, it's going to look different. It's going to be funny. It's kind of like seeing Bo throw side-by-side side with Drew. I mean, it just it, it looks different, and there's different ways to skin a cat. And, uh, you know, those both both those guys uh, can, can get it done, I think. And if Pinnegar gets going and gets some confidence and can be the guy, then that, that kind of makes sense of, of, of how that's all come together. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, you asked for it. The audience craves it. Our weekly note that the offensive line unit is very late on bodies right now. There is there's good news. The good news was what we saw on the field when that offense took shape for 11-man football briefly It was the first team unit that James Franklin described to us on March 21st when they opened spring ball. It was Olu Fushano at left tackle, uh, Landon Tengwa at left guard, Juice Scruggs at center, Salim Wormley at right guard, and Caden Wallace at right tackle. That's great. But the bad news is it appeared there were only two other active offensive linemen on the practice field Wednesday, and that's creating issues from a scrimmage standpoint. And whatever we end up seeing next Saturday is going to be, I would say, pretty severely impacted by the situation at offensive line. Well, you're, you're shorting them one because there were, there were eight guys out there. Um, I will give you a half on Jimmy Chris because it didn't seem like he was doing all that much, but Ibrahim Traore, Golden Israel Chumba, and Jimmy Chris joining the starters. Of course, that means no Bryce Effner, which we didn't expect to see him in the spring, no J.B. Nelson, which is a first, and no Nick Dawkins. So you're really and, – and Alex Fermanek, the offensive line – or the defensive lineman that it switched over for the spring – you're look. I mean, it's 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 really funny. I mean, it's like it's like it's not funny, obviously, but it, it, when you watch these guys like go from a section of of their workouts to um, a team period, it, it's it's like little giants. I mean, there's just a couple of guys walking around there, and 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 it's it's really it's kind of depressing. But at the same time, just to see a unit like that that small is is, is kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, getting that first team line back is a step in the right direction. You got Landon Tengwall back, which we didn't see him for the last two weeks. Olu Fashanu, I think a key piece to this offensive line. And then, of course, you want Juice Scruggs to get as many reps at there at center as possible and continue to work through. Uh, we, we saw some of the reinforcements um, up above us on the uh, on the balcony yesterday. Yeah, we did. Malik McNeil is freaking huge, man. He looked like a uh, he looked like he was my age. Um, he looked like an NFL, like a retired NFL player was visiting he, campus. He's He looks older, <laughs> and he's every bit of of that size that he is listed at. Um, just, I mean, he, the guys beside him, Cooper Cousins is pushing 6'6". Six, six. Anthony Donko is 6'5". Is they looked small in comparison, but the reinforcements that are coming are much bigger than, than we're used to seeing here at Penn State. So looking forward to that. And, of course, Hunter Norzad, who will be back down again this weekend, um, checking things out. And he seems like he's ready to go once he gets his uh, his, his Ivy League degree in hand. So, um, you know, not, not all bad news uh, from the offensive line, but it's going to impact next weekend, whether you like it or not. It's unfortunate. Uh, you can't just roll a bunch of those guys out. And and those walk-ons that, you know, are getting scholarships elsewhere, um, we, we saw – um, guys uh, from last year's team that have that extra year using that extra year getting scholarships going to grad school which is awesome for them but you see how much those guys, guys like that are missed yeah uh, all of a sudden that you lose that safety net when you get in situations like this and now i'm sure that they are sticking to whatever medical plan makes the most sense for salim warmly but clearly we, we wondered how many reps he would get this spring i think he's getting a ton and and a guy who missed last year was in line to probably be a starter week one last season and and now in that role with hunter norzad coming through we'll find out and, and sean clifford james franklin both both paid a lot of respect to that group because they are being taxed right now physically and apparently they're responding well to it 
but hey, you hope that you're gaining something from, from all this, all these reps that these guys have to take. But at the same time, you also wonder, you know, what does this set you back? Because Franklin mentioned this in his spring opening press conference. There's only so much you can do uh, on the offensive line during the summer. There's a lot you can do through the air uh, between June, July, and then when you get before you get back in pads. Uh, you're a little more restricted in, in setting the tone for your ground game, certainly. And I just think we'll see what this means for the offensive line. Certainly doesn't help with the cohesion, but at the same time, you're getting guys who haven't played much. Uh, a ton of reps alongside, you know, the Sean Cliffords of the roster. That's a, that's a great point. There's going to be good and bad with it. You, you get those guys a bunch of reps. That's fine, but you're going to tire those guys out and have to work around it. And there's a lot of skeleton going on, things like that. Um, moving on, uh, I think that's it for practice. A um, bunch of recruits on. I guess hand. we should note we talked to the the sixth year starting quarterback. We we should we should just note a couple things there. Uh, I, I think, by the way, Clifford. He just comes across, Sean, as uh, somewhere between a player and a graduate assistant and somewhere between a college student and like a professional who's visiting campus to to like talk about a seminar because he's 23 going on 24 years old this year before opening day. Uh, and he's talking about launching this agency, the, the Limitless uh, NIL. And he's got these clients. Jair Brown is one of the more notable ones. And he wants to venture down this path and be someone who kind of helps set a tone for student athlete empowerment. And. You, you, you hear all this and and it's also at the same time he's trying to connect with these 18 year olds in the quarterback room and he admits there's a bit of a wavelength adjustment where he's trying to get to know these guys and he's also trying to get to know guys that are of that age because a lot of the dudes his age are either off in the nfl or out coaching somewhere and jonathan sutherland's around but that's about it well it's a weird spot i mean you never know uh, a six-year quarterback is uncharted waters for this uh for this program a guy that's especially played a lot of football um, like Sean Clifford. He's got to take on a different role. He's got to take on that li liaison role. And of course, with Mike Yersich being here for his second spring, that's a big deal, not only for him, but the, the rest of the offense as well. So he's got to take that upon himself and, you know, be, be a quarterback mentor to those young guys and be, you know, just kind of a, a bunch of different things. And then you add the NIL stuff, the collect, uh, the, um, uh, the agency on top of that. Uh, he's got a lot, he's got a lot going on right now. So, um, you know, kudos to him for being able to balance that, but, uh, it's a, it's, it's a lot for one guy to handle. So we will Sean, see Clifford Clifford did mention something that you mentioned that back-to-back the, the -back years with an offensive coordinator. He said, you know, 2019 he's, he's competing for the job. Uh, it's, it's his first year being a starter. Eventually 2020, there is no spring ball last year. He's learning a new offense with Mike Yersich. He said, this is the first time where he feels like spring ball has been used to master an offense rather than learn an offense. We'll see how that translates, but he sounded very confident, but, Sean Clifford has always been very yeah, confident. That's never never been an issue with Clifford uh, is the confidence. But I, I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, having a guy around that you're familiar with and and having that offense for two years in a row is just not something they've dealt with or not something he's dealt with the last couple of years. And you're just getting back into sort of normalcy after missing spring ball two years ago. So I mean, there's a there's a lot, um, a lot to be hopeful for for this offense. There's some pieces that need to fall into place, but uh, you know, having a guy ha having that sort of consistency, and even James Franklin said it last night, just the value in having a guy that's been around that much is is certainly um, something that can help a lot of guys out on your roster. Uh, looking long term at the quarterback position, we, we talked a lot earlier in the week about Marcus Stokes hopping on board with the 2023 class, a four star on 24 seven sports assessment. Jaden Davis is a five star composite prospect, number two overall talent in the 2024 class. He was on campus a couple times last year, got offered last April as a freshman, um, and he's coming up to campus 
for Friday for a visit on Friday, then heading west to Columbus for Ohio State spring game. So a couple Big Ten stops coming up for a coveted quarterback recruit is already pushing 30 offers halfway through high school. Yeah, this is a kid that Penn State's been on for a long, long time, originally from right across the border in South Carolina, is now going to Providence Day School in Charlotte. Um, so there's um, a guy that they've been on for a long time. He's been up to campus, I believe, um, once before. So yeah, I just got to keep chipping away at uh, the nation's number, I think, number two quarterback on 24-7 sports. The number one quarterback, uh, Dylan Riola from, uh, from Arizona, will actually be at Ohio State this weekend as well. That's one where you look at Jaden Davis and you say he's visiting Ohio State. Then you see um, the, the quarterback from, from Arizona coming up, uh, Riola. That is going to be a domino situation there because I could see him committing to Ohio State this weekend, uh, Riola, not uh, not Davis, and and that'll be interesting. And obviously, with those quarterback seats going in hand, we talked about it with Marcus Stokes. You want as many of those uh, those those big time uh, programs filled up uh, as early as you can to give yourself an opportunity to open that door uh, for that twenty twenty four quarterback for Penn State. Yeah, Davis has been pretty active on the recruiting trail of late. Uh, this won't be his first visit to either Penn State or Ohio State, but recently Florida State, North Carolina, Tennessee hosting the five-star quarterback. Um, Sean, meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, a couple linebackers coming to campus of note in the coming days. Uh, one in-state, one from Virginia, both of which have been discussed quite a bit here on the podcast. Yeah, the I mean, you keep going back to the same three guys when you talk linebacker, and that's Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas, and Phil Pichotti. Uh, Pichotti and Rojas will be on campus on Friday. Um, these are visits that were reported a while ago on 24-7 Sports and and coming to fruition now. Rojas has been to a lot of schools. It was, I think, most recently down at uh, Miami. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of schools in there, but Penn State still seems like they set the bar early in his recruitment. I think the location helps as well. Clemson certainly in there. A couple other schools, I think he just went to Tennessee, South Carolina. So uh, Rojas is going to pop up all over the place and, and check check out schools. Pachati's, of course, th the same way. He's, he was just at Oklahoma. There's been a bunch of schools pushing for him. Of course, Notre Dame was not in that top 12 that he released last month. So there's, uh, you know, I think this is a situation where he's he's seen a lot of schools. He's pretty advanced in terms of his recruitment. He's been up to Penn State a bunch. I have the crystal ball pick in for Penn State still. Um, and I think that that's something to watch, especially with Josiah Trotter probably going off the board to West Virginia tomorrow. So we will see where um, things stand at the middle linebacker position. But you keep going back to those same guys. I know there's a couple others that uh, have been um, you know, on campus and a couple others that are interested. But you keep going back to those three guys as the ones that you're looking to try to build that, cla that defensive class around. We saw some prospects on campus Wednesday for practice, some more incoming later in the week. And Sean, of course, we've got the holiday weekend. There's spring games happening on, on different campuses across the region, outside the region. But everyone wants to take that peek toward next Saturday in Beaver Stadium, April 23rd. Just your early read on the recruiting vibes around that opportunity. Still nine days out. Should be another good list. I mean, you can kind of uh, carbon copy that statement every year for Penn State spring game. It's always, you know, pretty, you know, if the weather is looking nice, it's looking pretty good. Two o'clock start helps. You're not trying to get guys in by noon. Um, and and Penn State has has some momentum with visitors and things like that. So uh, I, I'm expecting another nice turnout. I haven't gotten gotten around to putting up a full list or anything like that. But so far, the uh, the feedback seems good. And I expect another another busy uh, weekend for that recruiting staff the first full-on spring game experience for a recruiting standpoint in three years, uh, believe it or not. So that has is out. <laughs> the Life has dictated things, and it's nice to have that back on the calendar. Sean, five-star mailbag time. We'll jump into it, and it takes us back to that quarterback room. With another top QB prospect committed to Penn State, 
Is there a realistic scenario where everyone but Sean Clifford is back at the position in 2023 or should a transfer be expected? Yes, folks, Sean Clifford out of eligibility after the 2022 college football season. He's not going to get that special seventh year waiver. I mean, maybe it'll be what everybody would want. That's listening to this podcast. Um, You know, number one, always expect a transfer quarterback just to, so you're never caught off guard. I mean, that's, that's the way to look at, look at it, the way that things work with the portal, always expect one. But I I think there is an argument to be made that all those guys could be back for 2023, at least camp in 2023. You're losing your starter. You have an an open job. You're not going to look to bring in a portal guy or anything like that. So if the, if, if it plays out in my head or plays out on the field, like I think it'll play out in my head, they'll go through spring and, and get their snaps and get everything going, uh, you know, just getting where they need to be coming out of spring and then open that competition and keep that co- competition open the first couple of weeks in the fall. Now that's not to say that, I mean, we've seen scenarios all over the place where you go into a competition with a couple of guys, a guy doesn't win. And then they ended the transfer portal midway through camp or something like that. We, that could be a scenario that plays out, but I think that, you know, realistic, it's hard to say because quarterback is such a, a fickle room. No offense to any quarterbacks listening. Um, but uh, I think it could be realistic. You got Christian Veyu, who's obviously got some experience. And I think coming, you know, if, if everything goes great for Penn State, Sean Clifford stays healthy, then Veyu probably goes into the spring as the leader. And then you've got those two freshmen who, you know, hopefully probably still have the red shirt on them. If, if everything, this is, again, this is an ideal scenario, then you've got an opportunity to, to continue to develop those guys. So I don't think that 2023, um, I think spring 2023, you're probably golden, but I don't think that fall 2023 um, in a perfect world is is a place where it could all fall apart. And I think that's when you're looking at quarterbacks, when you're looking at quarterback situations across the country, um, yeah, it's, it, it never goes how you drew it up. But I think it's realistic to think that all those guys could, could think that they can win the job in 2023. Sean, you're breaking hearts out there, applying the red shirt to Drew Aller on April 14th. Give them some hope. People really want to get people. But I'm with you. Christian Veyu is the name to know here for the immediate future here, in my opinion. I think he's I think he's in a really good spot for himself and his career. He's going to get a shot here if Sean Clifford – I think if Sean Clifford goes down for whatever reason or needs to be replaced for whatever reason, as things square up right now, I think Christian Veyu is the first guy to get a shot there. Now – is this realistic to think that three quarterbacks who sign in a two-cycle stretch are going to stay on campus together for more than a full year? Maybe not in college football anymore, but I think January 2023, are they all back? Probably. Yeah. April 2023, are they all still on campus? Maybe. August 2023 starts to get lower, and once you get past the season, you know, uh, then it gets dicey to keep everybody on board through another season. But I think right now when you look at it, there is a realistic scenario because – there will be an open job. That's and I think that's going to yeah. keep, yeah, I think <laughs> that keeps everybody on board through at least that spring stretch. Um, last time we saw something like this play out when McSorley left, it was basically derailed because Tommy Stevens was sidelined and wasn't able to be a full participant. It was Sean Clifford. It was kind of Will Levis. It was really just Sean Clifford taking the mantle there eventually. Um, so I think right now, you, you, that's got to be the carrot on the end of the stick for any of these quarterbacks, whether you're going to be a redshirt sophomore like Christian Veyu would be or a redshirt freshman like those other two would be. That's a lot of eligibility to take over a starting job at a school like Penn State with the weapons that I think they would have around them. That's an enviable position. So should keep somebody uh, going here, especially uh, we got to factor in a couple things. Mike Yersich, you know, is, is he, as long as he's still in the room, we got we got to address that. That that coaching staff changes are a big part of college football every year. And then I would say the the other thing here, Sean, is is uh, look uh, if Clifford holds that job or if he loses it, that's going to throw a 
big loop, a uh, big curve into to where this path goes for any of these guys. Because if Clifford's not starting quarterback by midseason, something has happened and somebody's going to have a real opportunity to go seize the job. And if Clifford sees it through, ends up starting 45 to 50 games in his college career and then says goodbye, then it's going to really feel like a blank slate in a lot of ways for that room. Absolutely. But but like you go back to say about the spring of 2023, that's an open job. I mean, you're you're mm-hmm. not leaving into a better situation prior to March of 2023. Now you could go through and maybe, maybe you're clearly behind the other two um, or the other, or the one guy um, coming out of spring practice, then that's something to think about, but there's no reason. I mean, there's really no reason to get out of town uh, before spring practice in 2023 and then sort of feel, feel where you're at and feel the, uh, I guess, read the room uh, going into preseason ball. That's when things change. And again, with with the quarterbacks, uh, you know, quarterbacks are number one in demand and number two, quicker to leave than most positions. So we will see. I don't I don't really see um, that kind of trait in any of these guys. But at the same time, everybody wants to play. Yeah. How critical is the quarterback position in college football to the game in general? We spent time here talking about a 2017 prospect, a 2024 prospect. They're both going to be on Penn State's campus uh, on Friday, Sean Clifford, and then all the way down to Jaden Davis. Such a, a crucial lifeblood for any success at, at the college level. Sean, at least we're not uh, talking about portal QBs, so that's fine. No, not for <laughs> now. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're back next week. It is the final week of spring ball. We'll be back on the practice field. We'll get everybody ready for the blue-white weekend as well. For our producer, Lance Glenn, for co-host Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.